goal chance for Conor McGrath. Bernie surely give it in, Conor. Oh, what a goal! Mackey heading it towards the 21 meter line. Keep Mackey chance. still going. Go on, your boy. Goal is up for Cats. Oh, what a goal! I can't think of a better position or a better place to be in right now, anywhere in the world. It's time to take Sam to throne. If you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly, but will stick in your mind that the champions who showed class. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. A small change before the game, worth the street. Been a look, Donovan. Has a wild effort on goal. Equalizer. They hereby follows an apology on behalf of Mr. Adrian Barry. During last week's GAA podcast, Adrian Barry referred to Nathan Murphy and David McIntyre as morons. Adrian Barry would like to formally apologise for these remarks and would like to put it on the record that neither Nathan or Dave are morons and would like to make it clear that if any member of the GAA podcast team is a moron, it is in fact Adrian himself. Adrian would also like to apologise to Mr Murphy and Mr McIntyre and all the listeners of the GAA podcast for wasting 20 minutes of their lives by coming up with the most ill-informed, unthought-out argument ever heard. Adrian now accepts that he abused the platform that Nathan and Dave have generously given him on the GAA podcast. Adrian now fully understands what an honour it is for a man from Westmeath to spend time with two of Ireland's greatest broadcasters. Well, I'm glad that's cleared up. That was very gracious of you, Adrian, um, to make sure that was put in at the top of, of the podcast. You've up in my estimation. No, no, no. Look, it's cleared up. It was an unsavoury incident, but luckily for Adrian, myself and Dave are letting are willing to let bygones be bygones. So let's just move on. And we I've won't new, speak of this incident again. A um, couple of things. On my way in today, I thought, oh, you know what? Calling the two lads uh, last week a moron, a couple of morons, was a bit harsh. And I'm going to properly apologise for it in the podcast. I completely take that back. <laughs> You're both a couple of numpties. And uh, as Joe Brawley might say in the intro there, I want nothing to do with that. Wow. We'll I have to have another one next week. Categorically distance myself from the beautiful tones of Keen Murta there. Uh, yeah, it was quality. quality. You did an excellent job. Uh, Apologising. Um, <laughs> so last week, wasn't a particularly good week on the predictions front. We were distracted by all of Adrian's nonsense. Yes. Well, you, were, you had um, given clearly. a lot of your predictions before the, as you call, nonsense actually uh, took place. And it wasn't 20 minutes either, it was about, about well, 18, 10. You should actually properly apologise to Dave because... Oh God, why? Well, this was on the podcast, you know, we have a niche listenership, shall we say, on our podcast. Yeah. Uh, but you edited together a little package for News Talk Breakfast. Did that go out, did it? I don't know if it went out, but you certainly gave it to them. Well, let's not apologise for something. Just with your side Let's not apologise for something we don't know actually took place or not. I was minding my own business in the office the other day, uh, listening to some editing piece of audio, and somebody goes, uh, I, could, I could feel two people looking at me, and then looking up to see two people pointing at me, and then take off my headphones and say, yeah, that row that you had with Dave, that'll be good for the quotes of the week. I'm sure it was. Yeah. I was still asleep, I'm, I would imagine. <laughs> uh, so we all got six out of ten last week. So I'm top the table, albeit jointly, yet again. What a run I'm on. Good God, you're, more, you're the most positive man I've ever met. <laughs> we, we all predicted that Waterford would beat Carlo. We weren't old romantics like David Brady. Yeah. Uh, we all predicted that Monaghan would beat Armagh, uh, which almost came true. Yeah. Mm. So, funnily enough, we all said Kildare would beat Mead. Really? Yes. Yeah. Did I not say Mead? I, I was pretty sure I went for Mead. No, no. You predicted Westmead would beat Cavan. Yeah, they nearly did too. 
but they didn't. No. Uh, so you got that one. And myself and Dave said Antrim will beat Offaly. Idiots. So uh, Offaly right. screwed us there. An interesting. That's one. six that's out the, of ten. That's the prediction of a moron, I would suggest. There was a six lot of, of games pretty good. that we're going to have to tear through this week. Hang on a second. Oh, so I got a game wrong that that you pair got yes. right. Yeah. right. Don't we, question. We, we don't know do what not that was. Question. Quite clearly, by the look in your face, he's questioning the tally man. Yeah. It's, it's not as if I was out till half two last night and I was listening to this uh, uh, in the podcast on the way in. Uh, so we'll start with the football and uh, qualifiers. First up tomorrow, two o'clock, Limerick against Antrim. We'll fly through these ones. Uh, Limerick were hugely disappointing against Tipperary in the Munster quarterfinal. They're under under the cosh for a long period against London. It looked as though there might be an upset, but they just about managed to scrape through. Antrim soundly, well... It was a bit of a chaotic end, their Ulster quarterfinal win. They got yeah. a good draw in Ulster, which saw them beat for mana, and then Donegal had it handy enough against them. It, it's a very strange qualifier draw. All the good teams are in B. So the four, the eight teams that are playing this weekend all have a good chance of getting to the last 12 without having to face any top opposition. In that you've got the likes of Tyrone... Why is that? I, I, have we discussed this before? Why it's all is about it? the calendar, the way the yeah. calendar and the draw was made to ensure that certain teams didn't ha- need to wait you know, a month to get back into the championship. Right. So the calendar has forced all of these teams who would be of similar standard into the same Well, that's pots. what happens, isn't it? Because the teams who are beaten at around the same time then up, end up in the same area. Of, so yeah, but obviously the look of the draw... the counties that would have been pulled out of the hat in, in, at various stages that, that will dictate who goes into what po- pool yeah there's just such a clear division this time yeah. where you have Tyrone you'll have the losers of Monaghan Armagh they'll be playing each other you've got Kildare and Down uh, also on that side of the draw and then the two worst teams the two division four teams are also going to meet next weekend Clare and Carlo so it's a really good opportunity for Wexford and Leash in particular whoever comes through that match you would presume they're the two best teams but I'm completely getting away from things yeah. it's a good opportunity for Limerick or Antrim we often say with these qualifiers, home advantage. I was just going to say, if it was a case in Park, I'd go at Antrim because first half against Tony Gall, they were okay. Limerick certainly didn't impress in beating London, but at least they beat them. It's at the Gaelic Grounds. Antrim have an awful long way to travel. For that reason alone, I'm going at Limerick. Yeah. Uh, look, kind of something similar. Um, Limerick narrowly avoiding relegation to Division 4. They lo- uh, losing to Tipperary and then beating London. I actually oddly ended up staying in the same hotel as London in Limerick that weekend. And we'd kind of written them off that week and uh, I had a brief chat with Paul Hoggins they were pretty fired up is he up, a podcast so listener? he is yeah he's managed to the podcast just a nice way to keep in touch from abroad you know um, they were pretty fired up for that uh, Limerick game so they would have uh, provided a decent test and I don't think Antrim uh, are up to very much the apparently there was a fake Antrim team released four. during the week 8 yeah. changes to the 15 that started against it's just goal, nonsense isn't it? and it was purely what was being sent into the programme so if there's players out there that were in that 15 and they're probably thinking I'm going to be dropped for this game there's something very wrong when Antrim are sending out a fake team. <laughs> Attention anyway. Antrim, nobody cares. I suggest we move on to the next qualifier. Uh, well, so three, three Limericks. Yeah. One of these days we're just all going to go with... You've alienated results. our Antrim uh, listeners, by the way. I apologise. Well, I don't... He's a, Next it's week it's there okay, will be a full okay, Keen Murta voice apology to the people of Antrim. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, Tipperary Longford, 4.45 throw-in at Semple Stadium. Uh, we've all been quite impressed with Jack Sheedy and spoken to him a few times over the last few weeks. But tip, they ran Cork all the way. They should have beaten Cork. They kicked so many bad wides and panicked over the last four mm. or five minutes. You just wonder, they put so much into that match. Have, have they got it in them to come back? 
This is a tough one. You can make a cogent argument for both of these teams. Like any side that goes up to Derry, any Division 4 side now that goes up to Derry and wins, you would think if they're playing a team like Tipperary, they'll win no matter where it is. But yeah, Tipper really good against Cork. You would hope from a tip point of view they actually draw encouragement from that as opposed to having their confidence knocked by not actually winning. Well, Peter Creighton did say that recovering from a performance like that can actually be harder harder than recovering from a a big beating. Mm. It's a tough one, this... I might listen to see what you lads have to say first. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like Longford has been in some ways one of like we had London obviously last year. That's not quite to that extent, but uh, Longford kind of one of the stories of the championship so far. That win over Derry, uh, Jack Sheedy on off the ball a couple of weeks ago talking about how important it was for Longford players to savor that win over Derry and use a positive feeling uh, going forward, as the expression goes. But you just kind of hope that they don't overly savor the win over Derry and kind of refocus on things because I think uh, on the face of things. Um, it's really on the you know a couple of weeks back I made a decent case for Longford in that Derry game in fact before just backing out at the last minute and not choosing them um, and I think they they really if if this was in Longford Dave to use your sort of uh, reasoning I would definitely wholeheartedly be way mm. behind Longford I'm still going to way behind them but maybe just uh, it won't be a huge amount in it but Longford to win yeah I think Longford as well the confidence they'll have gained from going up to Derry I'd like to go Tipperary but I do think Longford will win this game. So three Longfords uh, to go to Simple Stadium and win. Has, will anyone have any interest in that match at all? It's on at the same time as Argentina. Quarterfinal. Will the Tipperary hurling fans come in early and support their footballers? No, is probably the answer mm. to that. Uh, Ockram. Fortress Ockram, as we're legally obliged to call it. Yeah. Uh, Wicklow against Sligo. Um, Wicklow beaten second half defeat really to, to Leash in a match we were covering a few weeks ago beat Offaly in the first round of qualifiers quite easily Sligo I was watching it on Sky with Mr McIntyre on commentary they just didn't turn up they just didn't no. look like a team who had any interest There's no in- fire at all no bite no intensity no one hit a goal out a slap no one did anything really to irk the referee in any way shape or form um, I remember to Peter Canavan who's obviously in analysis they they were struggling to find things to discuss at halftime because it was such a polite soft game and it'd be very difficult to envisage Sligo suddenly developing a bit of an edge and going all the way over to Wicklow and delivering it in Ockram I wonder the fact that they were so late coming into the championship was it a case that they had maybe overtrained that they had spent too much time on the training pitch <clears throat> and were just because of that were flat yeah, it's hard to know. Um, at the same time, you think you you've got all this time to just, you know, unring the coil and be absolutely flying out of the blocks when Galway are in town. Big crowd as well. It was a gorgeous evening, and you're right. They really didn't ask any real questions of Galway that night, and I it'd be it's it's therefore hard to actually put together an argument to say they're going to go to Wicklow and win obviously Wicklow weren't the best side in the country by any manner of means, but they've got a couple of games under their belt. They've picked up a win. And it's in Ockram. And Sligo have injury problems as well. Adrian Marin and Patty Hughes have an ankle injury. David Kelly has a hamstring strain. If they weren't to make it, especially Marin and Kelly, it just takes so yeah, much out of that side. If Marin and Kelly are out of the team, they're having a chance. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Like I think it does point in many ways to a Wicklow win. I think they impressed. You were at that game, Nathan, against yeah. Leash. They impressed for part of that game. Obviously, at the end. But well, it was a pretty poor away, first half. In neither side were outstanding. Um, they they kind of struggled to get Leighton Glynn involved in the games. Obviously, he's had massive injury problems over the past couple of years. And if he doesn't kick six, seven points, do they have anybody else to do it? Mm. I'm not quite sure. Um, Wicklow selector Johnny McGee is that the same Johnny McGee yeah oh, I didn't know that 
The Johnny McGee. The Johnny McGee. We spoke to him at halftime in the match. You were sitting in the studio. We're not listening. <laughs> Clearly not. I'll be going for Wicklow here. Yeah, I think I'll go for Wicklow as well. It's a long trip for Sligo to go down and get beaten and have to head back home again. You would hope there's a kick in Sligo. You well, really would. And Pat it, Flanagan is a good manager and you would hope that he'll get something out of these ads because what a horrendous championship it would have been if they just roll over in front of Galway and head all the way across to Wicklow and deliver nothing. It is also one of those games, though, that if Sligo go and win it, we'll sit here going, why did we ever think Wicklow were going to beat Sligo? Sligo are by far a superior team. Look at their starting 15. But it's all down to the... We're just basically going on the performance yeah, against Yeah, and they're not really Galway. a far superior team, personnel-wise, if, if Marin and, and, and um, Kelly aren't playing. Any chance we can get on to talk about the games that people are interested in? Yeah, Wexford Leash. There's plenty of Sligo Wicklow people interested in that game <clears> now, I would imagine. Wexford Leash, quick. Wexford Leash is a, a really good one. It's going to be a cracker, I would have thought. Um, this game is on in Port Leash. Uh, Wexford no, Park. Wexford Park, Wexford Park, two o'clock on oh, Sunday. Oh, yeah, Mossy Quinn's covering this for us on Sunday. I think this will be one of the games of the weekend. It's going to be really open, loads of scores. And I think Wexford showed enough in just about keeping Dublin from tearing away from them at any stage in the Leinster semi-final that they can actually give Leash a really good go on this game yeah very much depends on Kieran Ling as well if he's on song then you really fancy Wexford to win it and that's where I'm going uh, I just think Ross Munley is playing very very well at the moment as good as he's played in several years and on that because he can rack up a big score I think Leash will win yeah I'm going to take Leash on what I saw in the first half against Dublin Donny Kingston was brilliant that day Ross Munley is Ross Munley he's one of the best players in the country when he's really into it and I think it'll be. I think this could be a one point, two point game. Maybe if there's a draw or a qualifier that's going to go to extra time, I think this could be it. But I know we have to give a, thought, a result on it. I'm just going to edge for leash. You could go for a draw if you wanted. A first draw. Would that, of the be, podcast a draw, Dave, Would that be a draw after seventy minutes? A draw after seventy minutes. Yes. Yeah, I, you should really go for it, Dave. I, well, I, it's not like I get increased odds or anything. Ah, but you get kudos. So listen, yeah, you do, yeah. Ah, go on. So, going to go given that we've have we there's been no deviation in terms no. of any of the previous results no. we've gone for. No. Right, we, go on. Just in the, well, we've, in the we've, we've all gone for different results. For different, so, you know. In this okay. one, okay, I'm going to go for the draw. So. Well, I presume when Adrian was referring to matches that people actually want to hear us talk about, you're referring to Cork Kerry, the Munster football final, live on off the ball this Sunday, two o'clock throw-in at Porky Cueve. Uh, Dave is going to be down there in commentary. Woolly, the Kerry legend Dara O'Shea, and the Mayo legend Lee McHale. So uh, this is set up very nicely. I was listening back to your commentary from last year's Munster final, which I'd forgotten was a really exciting game. game. Brilliant game. And I really hope... A lot of people would be of the opinion that the qualifiers have really diluted the Munster final between Kerry and Cork. And I kind of had that feeling going down to Killarney last year. Absolutely. It was during the heat wave, just blistering day in uh, Fitzgerald Stadium. One of the great days, really. And you wouldn't have guessed that there was a backdoor system there for the losers to kind of dust themselves down and get back onto the horse and um, because they just went out at hammer tongs really was the old cliche two game, game of two halves Kerry brilliant in the first half Cork full back line torn asunder and then Kerry just crumbled and Cork kicked, I think kicked seven in a row and only lost by two in the end and the only reason they lost is because Brendan Keeley who can't get into the Kerry team just pulled off this incredible save from I think it was Daniel or was uh, Kieran Sheehan who has obviously since gone to Australia and he just shoulder blade just popped into the air and, and that was the winning of the game for Kerry. I'm really hoping it's something similar this Sunday. You said there, it felt like there was no back door and I kind of feel like that with this match as well that whoever loses this game <coughs> won't be overly bothered. No. Whoever oh, you, loses this game is going nowhere. That oh, it's, really? it's hugely important for both sides to get this victory in particular for Cork because Kerry are missing <coughs> so many players. 
between the guys who've retired, between the injuries, that if Cork have any aspirations of doing anything, they should be able to win this game and win it pretty comfortably. See, I'd have a completely opposite view on that because because I see the point you're making, but I've come from the other way in that I think Cork, if they end up in the qualifiers, they'll beat anybody in that half the qualifier draw. But I think this is a soft carry team and someone could get a crack at them. If they drag them down, or maybe I can't off the top of my head which half they're in. For example, they had to go to Port Leash and play Leash if they could pass Wexford. I'm thinking... You know, Leash would fancy their chance of taking on Kerry. I don't, could never see Leash beating Cork, for example. Yeah, maybe, maybe that is. Well, I mean, that kind of suggests that Cork are going to win this game. See, I don't know if I can come up with that argument either, because they're two very similar teams at the moment. They're, is it fair to say they're both in periods of transition? I, 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 yeah. I wonder, are Cork actually in transition? Well, I think if they there are, are may, high may, expectations. maybe they are, but they're just handling it a lot, a lot better. Like, what expectations are there of Cork? I don't expect anything. Though. I expect them to perform, but I don't see them getting to an All Ireland semi final, for example. Really? No, really. You don't see them coming through an All Ireland? If, if they beat Kerry, it's only one more but, match. But I, I wouldn't see Cork as being in the top four teams of the country. Maybe that's a better way of saying. You could end up in a semi final, and maybe better teams might have fallen by the wayside in the earlier rounds. But are they in the top four in Ireland at the moment? I, I don't think so. I was listening to Daryl Kennedy who was on Off the Ball last night, and he was talking about how this game, you like, Daryl Kennedy talks an awful lot of sense, it has to be said. But he was talking about this game, how form lines go out the window and it doesn't really matter how either team is performing that at, you know history shows that you know they might have come into it with different mm. sort of form and you might have expected different things through the years but actually it's Cork Kerry and that's really all that matters now you see I don't 100% buy that because I really don't expect Kerry to win this game um, you know he, he points to a lot of issues that Kerry so, so ultimately he speaks quite well about the issues that Kerry have essentially and then at the end of it all says well I don't know if a huge amount of it matters because form kind of goes out the window and I don't really think it does but these are the type of games where you can just make your name where there's huge question marks about a lot of the players in this Kerry team we just don't know a lot about them but for someone say like Paul Geeney if he if he has the game of his life suddenly his career yeah. is, is like made James O'Donoghue announced himself really in that monster final last year he was brilliant in, uh, Colin Cooper was in tandem with him Geeney was class against Clare kicked six points I think from all from play on his first championship start he's definitely a player I'd like to see again looking forward to seeing him on Sunday are we the, underestimating Kerry I'm just looking at some of the names here Obviously, it's Marco far stronger Marco 15, Shea, Aiden O'Mahony um, the three Gillian lads have Young. come in are Aiden O'Mahony um, James O'Donoghue and Johnny Buckley they're a far stronger team for the introduction of There's those one three. other as well, I think. Uh, um, Donica Walsh is back Donica Walsh well. again. So yeah, those four lads obviously have real big game experience and they they carry look a far more ch- grizzled unit than they did against Clare. Do we have the bench there as well? It's like um, Donahue's on the bench as well, I think, isn't he? Donahue and Darren yeah. O'Sullivan, yeah. they're both on the why bench. Is the, why is he? Why, Karen O'Leary's on the bench. Why is Darren O'Sullivan on the bench? He's had his injury problems and he yeah. probably didn't play particularly well the last He wasn't day, great against, um, against Clare and obviously Darren has had a huge amount of injury issues over the last 18 months or so so maybe he just isn't quite as sharp. He's a great guy to have at the bench as well with his pace because mm. he starts running at defenders in the last 20 minutes. A defender thinks he's got his job done against his ma- the marker he started the game on and then you see Darren coming at you and you're thinking, right, I've got a problem here. But um, the fact that it's in the park, the last Munster final ever to be played there. Have you, memories, have you good memories of the park? I think it's my least favourite GA ground. We've done one game Why? there, I think. Just think it's it's an. Well, it's hard to get to into. Happen. It's hard to get out of when it's packed. It's quite uncomfortable. Yeah, it's, and there's a reason it's being knocked down. Yeah, it's dangerous. So I would hope it's only forty. It was only it was only opened forty years ago. 
Like that's not really a huge life for yeah, but I think more it's the design that this tunnel that goes around yeah. underneath the stand is as I say it's almost an accident waiting to happen you've just so many people crowded in mm. when the match is over when the match is just about to start it, it's part of what makes it such a special atmosphere on Munster Final Day where the players have to run through the crowd to get onto the pitch and as uh, Tomas O'Shea was saying in his column during the week they're basically just roaring abuse in your ear mm. The, the provincial finals are beautifully set up. We've got all of the old rivalries. Like we've got Dublin Mead, we've got Cork Kerry, we've got Galway Mayo, and up in Ulster you could well have Monaghan or, or Monaghan Donegal, for example. They're just so beautifully set up. And the, every stadium is going to be packed. Mm. And this Sunday it's going to be packed, I think. And the sun hopefully it'll be out. And it just could be a really good day. Colm O'Neill is a... Is on the bench for yeah. Cork. He's not going to start again. Uh, no more. Well, even even uh, more severe than Darren O'Sullivan. Colm O'Neill has had so many injury setbacks. But if he's fit and he's when he does come back and he's starting, if you've got a full forward line of Daniel Goulding, Brian Hurley, and Colm O'Neill, that's the best full forward line in the country. It's it's pretty special full forward line. I think Brian Hurley. And I know this is only a second season, so to call him underrated, maybe it's a bit early to say something like that. But I I don't think people understand how good he is. He is brilliant. He's a bit of a terrier. He's not the type of player. He's, to- he's like Tommy Dowd. Yeah. He puts the head down, the shoulders down, mm. off he goes, kicks the scores, knows where the back of the net is. And he could give this Kerry full back line a really difficult time. James O'Donnell will be back for Kerry's huge. You've already mentioned him. Well, every week on the GEA podcast, we'd like to get a, a better tactical insight into one of the teams involved in our commentary game. We had a good chat with Wishy Fogarty about Kerry a couple of weeks ago. So today we're going to look at Cork and I'm delighted to be joined by the Sunday Times, Michael Foley. Michael, how's things? Not too bad, Nathan. How are you? Not too bad, uh... I was down in Cork talking to Brian Cuthbert last week and I was asking him about his footballing philosophy and he said he wants his players to move the ball quickly, to get it into their forwards as quick as they can. From what you've seen of Cork this season, is it a very direct style of play that they're employing under Brian Cuthbert? Yeah, it's definitely the way they want to play, Nathan. It's, it's certainly, you know, more used to kick pass, uh, getting the ball moving much, much quicker. I mean, I suppose it was a, a flaw in, in Cork teams of the past that they tended to hang on to the ball too much, play too much possession football and kind of play, I suppose, a crab sort of style of football, if you like, kind of just scuttling back and forth across the field waiting for a gap to open up. But they're trying to they're trying to move the ball a bit quicker and they certainly were trying that in the league No obviously doing it in the league and then trying to replicate that in on you know in I suppose pressurized conditions of the championship are two totally different things and we've sort of seen I suppose when they've come under the cosh in the league to be final against Dublin and even the the last night they played against Tipperary in the Munster semi-final that they kind of reverted a little bit to type so you know it's 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 a process of work and it's actually it's actually something Cork have been trying to do for a couple of years but Cuthbert is very very adamant all right that that the you know moving the ball long moving it fast using their pace uh, is the way for Cork to go now. Do they have the players for that system? Well, they have them more now than they probably did before. Um, I suppose over the winter time, they obviously lost a lot of players through retirement and Kieran Sheen going to Australia and so on. So they lost an awful lot of physicality. Um, they lost a lot of guys over six foot tall. So, you know, I suppose carrying the ball is, is more of a thing to do now and use their pace rather than rather than um, using their physique to try and burst through teams. So they also have a few more, I suppose, ball players, footballers on the team, um, guys who'd be more comfortable, I suppose, picking a pass. And again, as I said, moving on quickly. I mean, taking the ball, I suppose, for guys who are smaller, taking the ball into contact isn't the best option. So, you know, rather than trying to go through the obstacle, trying to trying to go around it and trying to switch the play as quickly as they can is is would yeah they would certainly have the personnel but as I say kind of 
getting that to work consistently every single time they go out and making it almost part of their DNA that when they get the ball I suppose 50 yards from their own goal that they look up and try and let it go as quick as they can that's you know that's going to take time You said that they reverted to type at times against Tipperary but looking at the players they have and with the tactical change and wanting a more direct style of play there's no real reason to think that Cork should be in an any in an extended period of transition under the new manager you look at the quality of players they have they should be able to adapt to this pretty quickly well yeah well absolutely I mean look at there's no questioning the quality of the players that they have at their disposal it's probably not at the level uh, of Dublin but then again who is so I mean you're kind of looking at it um, I suppose and thinking look they've They've had unsuccessful under-21 teams. Um, they have a decent cohort of young players coming through. And as I say, a lot of them are more attuned to letting the ball go and, and using their speed and so on to get up the field rather than rather than slow build-up play. Uh, it was interesting, like against against Tiberi, they would have played Paddy Kelly at centre-back and John O'Rourke at left half-back. They're now playing them in the half-forward line uh, this Sunday, or at least they're named there. Um, one of the things that was very, very noticeable about Cork in those two games against against Tip and then in the league semi-final, as I say, against Dublin, was the fact that when they when they lost a bit of traction at midfield, um, the opposition found it reasonably easy to run through them uh, defensively. So, and that speaks again, I suppose, to the fact that Cork set up pretty pretty standard a pretty standard setup really during the league, kind of six back, six forwards, and so on. You would imagine that with Kelly and O'Rourke in the half-forward line. I would have thought, anyway, that, that both of them, when Kerry do have the ball and if Kerry do get ahead of steam up, that they will drop back. Uh, it won't be blanket defence, but you know, if you think about it, Paddy Kelly is one of the best kick passers in the Cork team. He's got great vision, plenty of experience. He's a guy I remember actually speaking to him a few years ago, and he was talking about Cork trying at that time to get more of a direct kind of system going where guys around the half-back line picked up the ball and immediately looked up to try and set their forwards in motion. So you'd imagine that Paddy would be back there looking to get on ball, trying to pick passes going forward. John O'Rourke, a good hard worker. He's got a good set of legs in him. He's, he's well able to get up and down the park and he's, he's well able to play ball. So, um, you know, they, I would imagine that they're trying by moving the two boys into the half-forward line. Obviously, Kelly is a half-forward anyway and O'Rourke would be more natural half-forward. But they're also going to try and correct that, that issue that they had in terms of the gaps in their defence but also give themselves something going forward on the counter Yeah and it, it it does make a lot of sense to try and get it into their full forward line as quickly as possible when you look at the quality they have in there we're just talking about I was saying it's hard to think if Colm O'Neill is starting I don't know a huge amount about Barry O'Driscoll but if you have a full forward line of Daniel Goulding Brian Hurley and Colm O'Neill you want to get the ball to those three guys as often as possible yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, you saw it in the league. Obviously, look at the, we're, as we're seeing in the championship, and as we expected anyway, the league and the championship are night and day this year. But you could certainly see, again, I, I go back to that word speed in, 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 in the Cork attack. And when you look at the Kerry defence, there may be some question marks in their full back line in terms of pace now at this stage of their careers. Uh, just you mentioned Barry O'Driscoll. If he was to play, Barry is a player that they've been looking at for at least three or four years back. Um, Back in 2011, uh, when Cork were defending the All-Ireland title, you might remember they went through a bit of an injury crisis in the mm. middle of the summer. And Barry actually came on to play against Down in a qualifier in uh, Crow Park. I think he only lasted a few minutes. He got injured himself. But at that, mo- that moment when he came on, uh, there was a lot of Cork people looking at each other going, OK, OK, this is his time now. This is, this is going to be his time. But unfortunately, for one reason or another, it's not, now is his time. But as you say, it's it's a there is an it's an interesting thing to see Colm O'Neill on the bench. Um, and there's kind of a lot. You, of you don't sound convinced that he's going to start there. 
Uh, well, you know, he didn't start there against Tip. Um, I, I don't see what what shock and awe and what, or should I say, shock and surprise that it might give Kerry to, to see him suddenly sprung from the bench, you know? I mean, that's the thing about Cork Kerry games. They kind of know each other so well that there's nothing really you can hide, you know? So um, if he's not going to start, maybe maybe, maybe maybe Cork are taking the attitude of trying to get their strongest team on the field at the end. Kerry also has a decent bench this time round. I mean, relative to the, to, to the strength of the squad, they've... They have three or four guys on the bench that'll come on and shouldn't weaken the team. So maybe Cork are thinking, well, look, if we do keep Cullum on the bench, bring him on second half, it's the kind of boost to Cork that Kerry just can't give themselves, no matter how what, what kind of quality they might have on the bench. But like, anyway, look, regardless of who's in the full forward line, whatever combination it is, the point still stands, yeah, that the, the pace is there, uh, the mobility is there, and the quality is there if you can get the ball into them fast. Is there any particular area you think that Brian Cuthbert will have been concentrating on in particular over the past few weeks, a particular weakness within this Cork side that, that Kerry will be looking to expose? Yeah, I think again around that half-back midfield area I think is is probably where Cork um, have been exposed a little bit when, when Dublin put the when Dublin put the Jets on in the league semi-final they kind of ran through them pretty easily. Tipperary clearly tried to do the very same thing and were very successful. Um, you you know when you look at the when you look at the half back line that Cork played that night against Tipperary of James Lockery who's a terrific player, um, but he's a go forward kind of guy. Paddy Kelly and John O'Rourke, as I said there before, are natural half forwards. So you know I think he's he's gone back sort of to to a more conventional defence if you like, but yeah. also I'd say with with the rider that that Kelly and O'Rourke are well capable of going back and covering. Now that they do have experience in playing kind of in those defensive positions around midfield. You've had Walsh coming back in. He's he's a massive, massive uh, uh, boost to Cork. No, he was very. I mean, obviously he got the three points at the end that that beat Tipperary, but he was he was quite patchy during the game, as I'm sure he'd admit himself. And the reason for that is, of course, that he hasn't played a lot of football in the last in the last month or so. But his confidence is sky high. I've seen him playing. Obviously, seen him playing with Cork. I've also seen him playing with his club lately. And um, regardless of the code, his confidence is just through the roof. So. You know, I'd say he's just he's just sourcing away at the moment, so that's that's got to be a good thing for Cork. So I'd say around that midfield area. Look, when Cork carry play, it's kind of it's a bit old school in the sense that midfield is midfield is so important. Even though whoever 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 gets the foothold at midfield generally tends to dictate the the, the trend of play. Um, and both teams, as we've seen over the last couple of years, both teams tend to have purple patches and then disappear out of games, and that's that's reflected in Cork Kerry games as well. So, kind of getting a foothold in around that middle eight will be will be probably the deciding of the entire game. All right, uh, Michael Foley there from the Sunday Times. Thanks a lot for joining us, Michael. No problem. Uh, Michael Foley there giving us a, a bit of an insight into Cork and yeah, uh, Brian Cuthbert. And I was down in Cork last week chatting to him. He's a pretty impressive character. Yeah, I he met him he yet. certainly talks a good game. Um, with their more direct style of play, and I do have high expectations of this Cork team. I'm, I'm looking forward to like a, a now, in now this season. and I think I, going I think forward, a Mayo Cork semi final could be a very interesting That'll be game. To look forward to they and Cork O'Mayo, mm. and if that was to happen, they really do. Um, it's I guess we have to decide who's going to be winning this game. Well, I pretty much put my cards on the table. I think Cork are going to win this. Home advantage is going to be crucial again. And Cork don't win Munster finals in Fitzgerald Stadium. They just don't. Their record is absolutely deplorable. But it's far better against Kerry. They've only won five of the last 21 meetings in Championship against Kerry. The record actually is really poor. But I think they'll, they'll enhance that by one game this Sunday. And I think they'll win by maybe three points. Cork. One word, Barry. 
Uh, there is another football match up in Ulster, the replay. Armagh Monaghan, you were up there last week, so give us the... Uh, Give us the knowledge. It's a game that Monaghan really should have won. They led by three points on two separate occasions. I thought it was going to be a real turn point when they lost Conor McManus to a pretty farcical black card decision. They actually responded really well to losing him because um, Stephen Golligley came in, kicked two brilliant points. They opened up that three-point lead again and I think they just went to sleep. And you had to hand it to Rory Grugan. He his first time he's ever had to kick a point at Championship Football one of the youngest players in the team and he stuck that free over the bar it looked like some of the more senior players were almost walking away they didn't fancy it and he stepped up and said I'll have it and he stuck it over so I think Armour will come on hugely from it when two teams draw you always look to see which team has the most improvement in them they're going to have the three lads back Malin, Donnie and Toner will all be back and I just I, I don't know if I quite fancy Armagh but I think they could win this game really? yeah Grimley's he took so much stick for last year and he rightly has been taking stick for the mess that he's created in the aftermath of the Cavan episode. Because I think he's just handled this terribly. He should have just held his hands up and said, we shouldn't have been involved in that. And we take our suspensions, let's move on. Refused to talk to the media again this week. And Malachi O'Rourke has lowered himself to that level by not allowing mm. the modern players to speak to the media. What's that about? <laughs> I don't understand that. Malachi's one of the most genial, outgoing managers there are. Some of his players are brilliant talkers. Conor McManus, uh, Dick Clerken, Paul Finlay, they all like talking to the media and they've all been shut down this week because Paul Grimley has decided his players won't talk to the media. Anyway, that's the media rant over. Well, no, it's, it's, an, it's a good point. It's an important point because like, it's, a, it's a massive disrespect to fans because ultimately they're saying we're not going to communicate with... like That's what the media is, a go-between between yeah. the People team and the People want to hear what the players yeah, have to say out of these games. And, and I was reading as well a, a piece during the week that was saying uh, Porrick Duffy's been appealing to managers to you know uh, come forward and be a bit more helpful with the media. Like... There shouldn't be any process of appealing to the managers. Volunteers. Croke Park need to be stepping in there. Well, look, it's... Right they there. are volunteers, but I think inter-county managers should be speaking to ah, the no, look, like there has to... The like they do, sign, they do sign up to some sort of a code. Well, like, well I, and this goes back to Nicky Brennan's day as president. It goes back to... And then after him, Christy Cooney. They've all been really trying to encourage managers to play a bit of but ball. But there shouldn't be any encouragement. There shouldn't be any appealing. They should be compelled just to speak it. to people. Like, it's it's a nonsense. Because I just never understand it from the point of view of... Look at Wimbledon. I know you get nothing from these interviews but as the players are walking on to centre court for the men's singles final they will be interviewed two minutes beforehand yet Federer and Djokovic will still somehow not be distracted by this yeah, look I mean that's not really fair because they are professionals and you know they earn a huge amount of money to do what they do so I don't think that's a fair comparison but managers but the reason that managers should it just should be a, a law a rule you, you talk yeah. to the media afterwards even if it's only 60 seconds of raw mate. like what was Paul Grimley going to say to Sky last Sunday oh you know we did pretty well we came back delighted with the draw we'll come back in a week's no, time no, Sky that's get, all it would have been Dave Sky would get the best out of him <laughs> the, he, nobody was going to get the best out of him last week in the end he didn't open his mouth is that, was, is that Dave having a bit of a dig at the sideline reporter to be, yeah. he, he, Dave could do that job no, he could like a, a barrel here job. and a big massive wooden spoon someone oh. stirring something but I, I disappointed me that Malachi decided not to speak to the media this week I just thought he really should have but um, Darren Hughes uh, Darren McCurry Conor McManus have had their black cards uh, rescinded from the games against Tron and Armagh what's the point of that there is no effect of having is there if you get more than one black card over the course of the championship is there a consequence for that this was this was what I was hoping I'm seeing a lot of blank faces looking back at me I was hoping you two would have well maybe they're just being cleared you know yeah. of cynical play and maybe players like that to happen 
Um, ah, I'm going to go... Sorry, a player who uh, tallies up... Th- I did have the answer here if I just uh, you know consulted my notes a little bit further. Uh, a player who tallies three black cards will be banned for one game. That was something I didn't know about, I have to admit. So they're, they're, they, they, these boys will be pretty pleased with that development. In terms of the game and where it's going to go, Monaghan will feel they could have won it twice last week and I think if they get themselves in a position to win it this time, as much as I've talked up Armagh, because I think they really are improving, I think Monaghan will win this by maybe two, three points. Yeah, I think Monaghan are a far superior team to Armagh. Maybe they put so much into the Tyrone game that their minds weren't 100% in the right place. Maybe they just got ahead of themselves thinking about Ulster finals, thinking we're just going to walk past Armagh. Maybe the way they started the game and the fact that they were leading just added to that and they lost their concentration. I don't think that'll be a problem. It's Sunday. another week of training as well for Conor McManus. Well, unless they, went, a point to prove unless they went out in the tear. Off. <laughs> which we just don't know at Monaghan uh, yeah um, I'm going to go at Monaghan as well I have to say by uh, by a couple of points I Oshin McConville has um, kind of interesting to listen to him over the last few weeks because initially he you know the strength of his argument around Armagh was that they had uh, annihilated Westmeath in a challenge match and that was the, you know there was a great optimism and there probably is something building there in fairness I think uh, this year is going to come too much again like you talk about Monaghan as being one of those teams that can perhaps uh, penetrate the top 4 or 5 teams of the country and I don't think Armagh are quite there yet uh, so on that basis I'm going for Monaghan Alright so three Monaghans uh, that's all the football done we will have reporters at all these games over the weekend and as I said live coverage of the Munster football final on Saturday we've got live coverage of the All-Ireland Hurling Championship first round qualifier the all Ireland hurling champions Clare taking on Wexford half three throw in at Cusick Park in Ennis Dave is also going to be down there um, with Dahi Regan this time last year they met in the qualifiers it went to extra time Clare have had a long busy winter with a lot going on off the pitch maybe the focus isn't quite there Wexford are coming side do we see any possibility of an upset I don't know if it'll be an upset but you really hope that Wexford deliver a performance I've, you've seen bits of it, kernels of improvement and opt, uh, reasons for it to be optimistic For if you're a Wexford person in the victory over Antrim and then in the defeat to Dublin. I thought they might beat Dublin in that game at Wexford Park and Dublin were just a little too shrewd for them. The problem is you're looking at a Clare team who I'm sure have been riled now by their manager for the last two weeks. They he'd, He'll be talking about humiliation. He'll be talking about the fact that no team since Clare in 96 have actually won the All-Ireland and not won a game the following season. And That's quite just, a stat. <laughs> took a long time to go up but they're wounded, really wounded and they have some of the best hurlers in the country. And the fact it's in Ennis. Yeah. Why, just, why is it in it? It was in Thurless last year. What's it the, was, yeah. It's, I think that, I don't know why they went for a neutral venue last year and then just opted for, for Ennis this time around. They really should have had a double header with the other game, Tip Galway, or maybe a triple header if you threw the Tipperary football qualifier in as well. But Wexford have a long way to travel here. They may, a couple of the players that have one eye on the Leinster on a 21 final on the Wednesday. Jack Guiney has been dropped. We've heard of that in the last 40 minutes. He's been dropped really? from the team in one of three changes. Um, Owen Murphy's What's coming to the side. Andrew he, Shore like, has been dropped and they've made a change been, in midfield as well. So, well, well, Jack Guiney is one of the reasons that you sort of have a positive opinion towards <coughs> Wexford. He was the he guy who scored that brilliant McDonald. goal with the last puck of the game yeah. to bring it to extra time last year. He got 1-8 in that game last year. He hasn't really played well in either the Antrim game or the Dublin game, but he's been brilliant for the under-21s. Chatting to Larry Murphy before we came in, and he he's involved with the under-20 setup, just talking how great a hurler Jack can be. Maybe Liam Dunn is just trying to shake him up a little. He could have an impact off the bench later. We haven't got the Clare team yet, but Shane O'Donnell could well be back. Dead he'd start him though, would he? Well, it's either him or Derek Conan, I presume. That's the and we know where he went with the well, All Ireland last year. With Derek, uh, they didn't the start Derek game, in the so last game I'm either. Sure. No, Peter Duggan uh, was the player I think that was in there, and so I, well, it's a straight shootout between the three. It's strange. Three you of think those. of Shane O'Donnell and oh, 
here's a guy. He's such a crucial cog in this Clare team. It's like, oh, wait a second. He actually barely played yeah. before the all He made his final. debut in this game last year, I think. Yeah, he, scored, right? he scored a goal. Yeah, got yeah. a goal as well. Look, um, yeah, everything but, points towards a Clare victory, doesn't it? Because yeah. they simply have to win it. Well, the, the interesting thing is actually, and was some comments that Jack Guiney, interesting enough, had made on the Dublin match during the week, and he spoke about <clears throat> that match that Wexford played, and when things were going well for us, he says they changed it up very quick, Dublin that is, and when things were going well for them, we were slow to change. And that's the one thing that Clare probably do maybe better than any other team <coughs> in the country. They have that ability to change their game plan or at times it actually seems just go with no game plan at all yeah. and so if Wexford have shown uh, propensity not to be able to go with change or to recognise that there are, there's a different game plan in place now that I would I would suggest that's worrying for Wexford but they are one of those teams along with Waterford that I'm interested in seeing how they advance over the next couple of years How much of the credit that Davey earned from last year's spectacular season will be gone if they lose this game? If they lose this game, savage pressure on them, wouldn't there? Well, uh, no, how I, much of the kudos, how much of the kudos will be gone if they lose? Yeah, that's ah, what I mean. Like, no I still one. think it'll depend what they do no over one. the next few years. But like I mean, Davy said, Ireland. we can win two All Irelands over the next four or five years. Ah, yeah. Like, like I don't, I don't think I, you know, like because you people, people are going to be disappointed that, that not everybody in Clare likes Davy, despite what he's achieved. But he is quite a divisive character. But you think it doesn't matter how he divisive he is? Look what he's done. Yeah. where he's brought yeah. them from. Like people are going to be disappointed for the next little while, but history will show that he won in Ireland with Clare at least one. And I mean, there's no way we'll probably talk about some other um, managers, Eamon O'Shea particularly in the next little while. But um, I mean, there's no way that you know Clare get beaten and they have that record as you said, Dave. There's no way like Dave Fitzgerald is going anywhere. No, I wouldn't. No, I'm not saying saying that I think the season will start next year without him there. Mm. But I think there'd be a bit of pressure on him if they were to go out to Wexford this weekend. I just hope for a big performance from Wexford, and then that will mean the afternoon will take care of itself after that. I can't see them winning, but I really want something Wexford to turn up and show us. You know what? Yeah, we have been had a really bad time of it over the last ten years, but we're coming back. Sure. This is this is the evidence that we're coming back. The other thing as well is I think about the Clare team. We do often think about them as being this young sort of you know this young Clare team. Ollie Baker was making the point that they like this bunch of players have been together for the guts of ten years. Yeah, it's crazy. Isn't that when crazy? You say it, think about it that way. They've like come so, up, so they look at twelves like all yeah, the way up, and it also means that you know when times are getting tough and they're looking around the pitch, it's not this young bunch of inexperienced players who've never been there before because they yeah. look around them and they've all been there before, various grades. Three players. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the most interesting matches of the weekend and one that'll have some long-term effects is Tipperary Galway in the qualifier. Semple Stadium, 7 o'clock, throw-in. The general feeling is whoever loses this game, either Anthony Cunningham or Eamon O'Shea, is going to be out of a job. I think it's absolutely nuts. Uh, and, and Eamon O'Shea is such a highly rated manager as well. I know James O'Connor particular speaks, uh, in particular speaks very highly of him. Um, yet, he's yet to win a, a single championship game, beaten by Limerick three points and Kilkenny three points as well last year. Lost to Limerick by two points this year uh, in Thurlis a month ago. So that's combined eight points. So let's say they lose to Galway by two points. He's out of a job. So they've lost four games to... Limerick twice, Kilkenny, Kilkenny once, Galway once, uh, by a combined margin of 10 points, and he's gone. But that's the fine margins of sport. Yeah, but it is. Well, if you're I'm, the temporary manager and some of the players they have in their squad, and you're going two years without winning a match. I, well, I mean, you see, clearly it's four, not getting it's the four best games. Out of them. It's you're four games. Not, out of four games, not winning one of them, you're clearly not getting the best out of the players yeah. that you have available to you, and that is the manager's brief, isn't it? Yeah, I think they. I think Tipperary can take some sort of heart from what happened to them in the league, where 
they uh, tapping into that formula that saw them ultimately saw that their league form turn upside down. They were beaten by Kilkenny, Galway, and Clare before they scraped past Dublin that day to avoid relegation and went into the quarters. And they could have won the league as it turned out. So, like ultimately, they were at a point of their season where all was lost. Tipperary's league was almost done. They were almost relegated. And on the, you know very fine margins, they turn things around. And I think that if Emil O'Shea can tap into some of that this weekend, uh, it could be a temporary winner. I'm kind of sick of Galway at this stage. It's just <laughs> nonsense with them week after week. Just put together some performances, please. And I think Galway are going to win this game. Tip haven't played in five weeks. Galway, I think, is their fourth game in five weeks. And they will take something out of the two games against Kilkenny. Their record at Thurles is pretty poor. But... As unpredictable as they are, I think they're going to actually flip it and do something that we actually think we should be expecting. Eventually, mm. turn in a decent performance. Well, if they're yeah, they're, if they're back, uh, backs are to the wall, then they're the one team in the country that you actually think mm. come out fighting. Um, and also to note, Tipperary conceded one nine uh, from fee- freeze against Limerick. Like that's a very I would consider that to be a pretty worrying statistic. So you're going for Galway. I think Tipperary going to win this. I just think. Whatever momentum Galway got from that late fight back against Kilkenny just evaporated straight away. Um, just can't trust them. I'm all in on uh, Galway here. All right, and the final game of the weekend is the Leinster hurling final. Kilkenny against Dublin, four o'clock throw in at Croke Park. Kilkenny were pretty impressive in the replay against Galway from the short highlights I saw of it on the Sunday game. Of course, it wasn't live on TV, Dave. I don't well, know if you realise this. Apparently, it wasn't. I'd heard there was a little bit of a hullabaloo over that. Morons. There he goes again. Doesn't know when he's done. He really doesn't. Well, I was, as I said at the outset, I was going to apologise for it until some idiot decided he'd misrepresent me and idiot. So more on. But your 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 behaviour subsequent to the apology from Keane tells us that if you had in fact arrived in here and apologised, and Keane hadn't apologised on your behalf, it would have been rather hollow. Meaningless no, apology. no. I was I was fully ready to apologise until some clown put together a faux apology on my behalf. Which Pretty I had funny. Nothing though. to do with. Pretty darn funny. Yeah, whatever. TJ Reid. <laughs> He's pretty good. Star of the summer so far. His free taking this summer has been electric. It really has. I didn't know. I knew he he would take a few of the place balls when say. Shefflin wasn't around for Ballyhale and when Shefflin and Richie Power weren't around or Owen Larkin wasn't around for Kilkenny but he has really impressed me this summer he's been their best player and they need this they need somebody like TJ Reid to become their go-to guy because so many of their key players have injuries they seem to be missing two or three guys for every single Mm -hmm. match but if you have somebody like TJ Reid who can stay fit for the entire summer who you know is going to rack you up a big score it's probably something that not too many of the counties out there have. Yeah, the, uh, Rice, Fenley, uh, Power and Paul Murphy, I think, are the players that are out this weekend. Look at it. Can, can he have won a Leinster title since 2011? Is that right? 2012. Go away 2012, Dublin 13, yeah. That's kind of remarkable, isn't it? For a it's a like, whole two seasons. I know, but it's it is Kilkenny. You know, like it's they were the well, I suppose given that they football is that right now? That was Kilkenny hurling. A yeah, well, they've won ago. every title going back to two thousand four when Wexford won it. So yeah, I mean it was what six in a row. They also have the the like you know when you talk about the that go to player like Kilkenny are one of those sort of teams across both codes that you look at who actually have. It seems ridiculous to say they don't depend on one player when you have somebody like Henry Shefflin in the team, but they also have plenty of other players who chip in. They're not a team who have just that one player but you do need somebody to stand up but there are 
Um, they have traditionally had a whole bunch of players that uh, that are go to, and I suppose like we mentioned a bit earlier on about the sort of transition and the transition that's happening in a couple of counties. Maybe there's a little bit of that going on in Kilkenny as well. And the fact that it is a couple of years since they last won Leinster, presumably it is it means that little bit more than maybe it did mm. over the past over say in 2012 when they'd won so many of them that there are a lot of guys now in and around this Kilkenny team who don't have a Leinster hurling medal. They've won everything Kilkenny have won everything they've been in so far this year the Walsh Cup the league you know so and placing the all semi-final is huge as well obviously listing the Bob O'Keefe Cup is what you want to be doing you get another medal into the into the back pocket as they say but the semi-final is huge for them just to be able to concentrate on that and be able to maybe just not put their feet up but go back to Nolan Park for three weeks and get ready for that and get a lot of guys fit yeah exactly and get, you know, get some more game time into Henry's legs and obviously they need Fenley to come back I mean he's a massive loss no matter how much resources you have available to you you lose someone like Fenley and you're going to be struggling but and they did seem to go to the older guys, didn't they? Uh, Jackie Tyrrell, Tommy Welsh, um, Brian Hogan in particular. Yeah, Jackie Tyrrell's having a real rena- renaissance as well yeah, this, this um, summer. You wonder how they got the legs. JJ, the player he was. Well, clearly Tommy Walsh and JJ Delaney are not the players they were, but they're still absolute top class. But they're on the other side of the graph. I don't know. It's a tough one to call this one again. I was impressed with Dublin against. I was impressed with Dublin against Wexford because consistency has been a big problem for them. But I just felt now that they have reached a level. It was a real professional job, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That we know we're a good team. Let's go out. Mm. We know we're a step ahead of Wexford. Let's just go out and do it. Yeah. Jack Guiney, that Wexford player that mentioned earlier on, he had another interesting quote about Dublin. He he said, You could tell even during that match that one of their backs would shout a call and they'd regroup and change the way they were playing the game. Uh, they were going at the game. Kilkenny don't like movement that much. It'll be interesting to see how that goes, uh, which is an interesting sort of a little insight into it. And you wonder as well, from the Dublin point of view, how much more Anthony Daly has in him with this Dublin group. You know, I mean, the flip side of all this discussion obviously will eventually come to, well, if it's not Anthony Daly, who's it going to be? And how and can they get more out of it than Anthony Daly has? This, but this well, we've been saying that for years for, about for Daly. Daly for years for some <laughs> I mean, reason. After they lost to Antrim in the All-Ireland quarterfinal or the final round of the qualifiers in 20... the year after they won the league, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, we just thought, that's an absolute disaster. There's no way he's coming back from that. Mm. Then they were beaten by Clare in the qualifiers. Everyone thought, there's no way he's coming back from that. And yet, here they are in another Leinster final and defending the title they won last year it's, it's a remarkable job he's done with them does he does he hang around for another year I mean if they get to you know I mean you said obviously getting, yeah, to all, an all, getting to an All-Ireland final is the next big thing for yeah. them if they um, get to another All-Ireland semi-final that would have been three All-Ireland mm. semi-finals is that is enough anymore a, is that like, are we just underestimating this? where Dublin have come from maybe like if you had said to them over the fo- over a five year period you'll win a league title a Leinster title get to two All-Ireland semi-finals and then still to come what's going to unfold over the next few weeks but it was laugh yeah but but you never felt at any of those times like when Dublin were getting to those semi-finals like you felt they were unfortunate not to get to a final for example not that yeah, I know, you geez, feel they've done really well to get this far yeah. well I think against Tip in 2011 everyone thought ah God love them haven't they done great and they ran Tip close and all of that but you're right against mm. Cork everyone thought Dublin could win the All-Ireland yeah. Yeah. and if Rhino Dwyer hadn't been sent off. And Who knows? If, and if, exactly. But yeah, they are now at that level. They are in the top five teams in the country well, they on, should on be a targeting pretty consistent Ireland, basis. They? they should feel they can win the All-Ireland. So then if Anthony Daly doesn't... I don't, know what, I don't know what success is this year. I don't know if success is getting to an Ireland semi-final. And if, yeah. they, if they get that far and are beaten again, is it time for a new message? Well, the way he's been talking this week, a defeat on Sunday wouldn't be the end of the world. 
because he knows there's an All-Ireland quarter-final to fall back into. But he says it's like Christmas Eve waiting for this Leinster final. People just can't wait to mm. kind of just welly into into him. Or what does uh, what Dahi say? Wire into, Wire into a <laughs> Kilkenny uh, on D- something. Danny Sutcliffe, he, if he's back and it, if he's yeah, fully he fit, plus if he's back, yeah, could make a huge difference. Yeah, and they've lost Gary Maguire obviously, but that guy who's come in has uh, done pretty well. Yeah, as well. Nolan's done pretty well. There's no fear factor either. Dublin do not fear these Dublin lads have been beating Kilkenny all the way up through minor under twenty one. Obviously, beat them last year. Pretty convincingly in the end of the replay, if, if the truth be told on that one. So I don't think there's going to be anybody in that Dublin dressing room thinking, you know, Kilkenny and Leinster final, they own this place. No one's thinking that. And there's also a lot of the Kilkenny names missing. So mm. you do look through the team and think, okay, as you say, JJ, Jackie Tyrrell, there's a lot of mileage on the clock that if this is a this is a Dublin team who, if they have the fitness, if they're full of running that will last the distance. You both sound as if you're making a strong case for Dublin here, which is going to be interesting when we eventually come to the side who's yeah, going to win it's it. Because I presume you're like, going to do a complete uh, about turn. Well, yeah. like, tra- backing <laughs> someone to beat Kilkenny in Leinster final, like, why, a couple of years ago, you would have thought, why would you ever do yeah. that? A couple of things, major things, depending on Dublin's performance, they need a big game from Liam Rush. He was clearly not fit against Wexford. Uh, the game t- passed him by. He was carrying a hamstring problem going into that game. So you would hope that he's 100% fit. They need Sutcliffe back. They need Colin Keenly, Keeney to have a really big game. And Alan McCrabb, who was brilliant against Wexford. He just seemed to own his own little patch of Wexford Park. He just popped up in space the entire time. If he can play well, nine points he got against Wexford. Dublin have just a brilliant chance here. There's a lot of injuries in hurling at the moment. I know it's obviously such a physical game and you're getting beaten around the park with a stick. But... at, at in the last year, there really seems to be every team seems to be missing four or five players for every match. Well, are you saying that the possibly the levels of intercounty training just aren't sustainable, Nathan? That sounds like the sort of uh, offering that you're putting out there. I'm just saying, yeah, that these it, guys are. It's interesting. I'm kind of saying that in a uh, facetious way because we're putting together a uh, package of various intercounty players, and we're asking them: Is intercounty training sustainable? And the sort of thread, certainly the ones I've spoken to, has been, have been. That they're some at of them will say, point. well, no, some of them will say, like, like you wonder if the ones who who say that they're that it it is sustainable, if they're fully engaging in the question, um, you know, which is kind of leading the jury to begin with. But certainly, there's been a lot of players who have said it's not really sustainable. It's no. yeah, I, I've had the same experience asking that question over the last few weeks. It's, but it isn't. I mean, it's a fact that it can't possibly be sustainable. When what's been asked of these, unless, well, because you need unless to reco- basically you cap, not an actual rule that you can't play inter-county hurling or football above the age of 23 but it'll be a sort of a glass ceiling people over that age who are actually doing full-time work in three or four years if things keep continue going the way they are will not be playing for them. Do you know what they should do? They should bring in some sort of a rule where you can't I don't know like something crazy like you can't train before January or something (laughs) mad like that. You just can't train at all, and yeah. sure, natural but, fitness. Will but take like over. ultimately, you see, there's nothing. There is actually, I, I certainly, well, maybe there is. I can't easily identify something, an, an easy way to address this because ultimately, teams want to win, and they're going to do everything they possibly can to win. I don't and, know if well, this is a debate ulti- to have now. No, but ultimately, it, move, it moves on to the next question, which is about professionalism and some form of professionalism, which is something I've been talking to a lot of players about as well, and most of them are saying. It is getting towards... They don't want to really say it in public. Mm. And I'm sure the GPA are working along the corridors. Steady now. Steady now. But that... Okay, we're never going to end up, I don't think, in a position where we have full-scale professional players. But that their little grants is no longer enough. Mm. Uh, Look, I think... I mean, you see the amount of money that Crock Park are taking in through various 
you know, or not. Well, we could go down a whole be. lot of road now. Um, but you know, and and like, Dave, are you going to Garth Brooks? No, no. Are you a Garth Brooks fan? No. Sure, he's perfectly great on stage, but I've never really had much of an appetite. Perfectly to go see him. great. I think that's why. <laughs> like, is it five hundred thousand people are going to see him because yeah. he's perfectly 400, great? Four hundred thousand, I think. I'd, I love that Garth Brooks guy. Look, he's when you're talking great. about the amount of money the GA taken, I don't think you can accuse them of not filtering it down. Yeah, no, sorry, that wasn't my point at all. But the point is that they are, so there's a lot of money coming into Croke Park. A lot of money. And they're completely filtering it down. But at some point, somebody's going to have to say, somebody's going to the, the, somebody's gonna have to be the Jimmy Hill and say, you know what, like, it's the players that are central to all The inter-county senior players that are central to this whole thing. And if you remove, remove them from it, there's not much left. Well, there are so many issues that come into play in that it goes back to Club v County. If they do receive more payment, do, their, do they ever play for their clubs? All that Which sort are some of stuff. Which most of them hardly play for the clubs to begin with. Well, exactly. But it's it's going to go further and further. I say, this is probably no, a maybe, maybe there's more. Maybe there's I really more don't think a, we should do this now. Maybe there's more. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe it, there's more of an understanding. Adrian, any, there, any oh, outlandish hey. comments you want to make before we finish up? Yeah, we haven't even given our predictions for the Leinster. Maybe there's more of an understanding. I'm going to go for the Kenny. I just think they've got enough players still playing well. They'll win this by three, four points. I'm determined to have more of this debate. I'm going to go for Dublin. Kilkenny. So right. At least we have a little bit of deviation. Well, we'll have a winner. We should have a clear winner next week. It is good that we are going to at least finish this on talking terms. <laughs> we should unlike, have a clear winner unless we all draw or two people draw. I think this we week I'm actually winner. just going to pull down his microphone. All right, we'll talk to you next week. If it don't mean nothing, what is game? Who got game? Where's the game in life? Behind the game, behind the game. I got game. She got game. We got game. They got game. He got game. It might feel good. It might sound a little something. Up the game if it ain't saying nothing.